Welcome to the teaching ministry of pastors Carl and Cheryl Thomas. Our favorite verse is Habakkuk 2.14, where the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Consumed by that revelation, we are committed to recognizing, resourcing, and releasing high-impact ministries resulting in global glory, transforming lives to impact their world. We have a teaching that will impact you today. Now, let's get right into that word. This is the last sermon right now. It's the last one ever in this series. <laughs> Wait, there's more. There's more. There's going to be more sermons after this, but we're going to wrap up this series today. And I, I tell you, it was one of those things where I started thinking about it, and every thought led to another scripture, and every thought led to another scripture, and every thought led to another scripture. So I counted them this morning as I got 24 scriptures in this sermon. So if 24 scriptures, if it's one minute every 24 scriptures, I should be done in 24 minutes, all right? Set your timers. Amen. Are you ready? All right, let me uh, get the right side of my sheet. All right, it started out John 10.10. John 10.10, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly, right? Come on, more. Say more. Who's afraid of more? Who doesn't know that God desires more for you? God is a God. He's a transcendent God. He's an incredible God. He's a God. There's no boundaries or limits on God. And God wants you just to experience all the fullness of what he is. And not just a little bit, but abundantly until it overflows every aspect of your life. So it's not just more. It's that, that constant more. It's not just I'm getting more. There constantly just is more. It's like, it's, you know, you ever had like a cup overflowing? It's not like I need more. There constantly just is more because there's a gusher of the life of God inside of me, constantly recreating and manifesting all that he is. And God wants you to live in that kind of a life. It says, he who did not withhold his son, not even withhold his son, and he did, he gave us a son. It says, how much more along with him will he not freely, say freely, freely, freely and graciously. Graciously means you don't deserve it, he's going to give it to you anyway. He's going to give you what you don't deserve. It's free and it's undeserved. I mean, you didn't have to qualify for it. He's graciously going to give you all other things. And it's all that walk of faith. It's all just believing him and trusting him that it's going to explode in your life. Last week, we talked about capacity, and we want to talk about that a bit more today. But capacity is the maximum amount of something that can contain. It's the ability or the power to experience or understand something. Capacity. I want your capacity to be blown up. I want you to even see. I want you to take the lid off your capacity because I don't want you to be a container. I want you to be a massive, great, big structure that can overflow with all of the goodness of God. So I give you a picture of a couple of hoses, right? So it means most of you are here are hosers. So I know a couple of small groups had a lot of fun with the hoser thing. But last night when we emptied the tank, we had one of those big hoses like on the right. And it used to be we just used a garden hose and, you know, we used to empty it on Monday and we'd, we'd come in on Monday and drop a, a little thing and then we'd stay here all day and it would slowly flow out in the parking lot. So slowly all the sins and the evil that got baptized out of people, it slowly left the building, you know. But last night, I mean, we had a large capacity pump and we had a large hose. And I mean, we blew the sins out of here in no time. Amen. You get in that tank and wash all your sins away. So it's amazing. At the start of baptism, nice clean water. By the end, it's black and ugly. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. But, well, you can blow that out of there when you got more capacity. You got a bigger pump. I think about that pump. It's like you got a bigger heart. You got an enlarged heart. You got, you got a, a heart that's big enough to, to receive massive amounts of God and then flowing through you are just rivers of the goodness and grace of God. Can I get an amen? 
Hallelujah. Glory to God. I just do want to tell you that last week, ever since we've been tracking our numbers, last week combining the unique people on Saturday night and Sunday, it was the biggest group we've ever had in this church on a weekend. So... So I know some people are like, what's happening, pastor? Is it working? I need to tell you it's working because you might come in and go like, wow, there's more space. That was the whole point. The whole point was to have two services to create more space in both services. So now the goal is to fill this service up again so we can start another service. And then after that, we want to get another campus. And then we want to take more territory. And we want to go to Owen Sound! I, I don't even know why, but anyways, it's just one of those funny things. One of these days, I got to do it. One of these days. One of these days, I'm just going to go hold a service and no one's sound. Who's coming? We're just going up some Sunday night, rent a place, and have a meeting just for fun. I don't know. There's something on the Owen Sound thing. We've got to put ourselves there. There could be a miracle that's awaiting right now. God is calling. He's calling out. Is there anyone who cares about Owen Sound? Wow. Wally, you feeling that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's good. So we, we want big hosers, amen? Are you a big hoser? Turn your neighbor, ask him if they're a big hoser. All right. All right, let's go to Luke. Let's go to Luke chapter 8. Got to move along because I, I got 24 minutes. Luke chapter 8. There's one passage there. I just You got a little bit of it, but I'm going to read the whole thing. You ready? A sower went out sowing his seed. This is Jesus talking to the crowd. He's telling them a parable. There's a sower went out sowing his seed, and as he sowed, some fell on the wayside. Say the wayside. The wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds devoured it. See, it was just thrown on, on soil that couldn't receive the seed, and, and it just sat there up on a hard soil, and it was a tracked down wayside, heavy tracked down soil, and that soil couldn't receive the seed, and so it, it didn't bear root. It didn't even do anything, but the birds quickly came and took it away. So there was that wayside soil, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on the rocks, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell in the thorns, and the thorns sprang up, and they choked it. But others fell on good ground. Say good ground. Some fell on good ground. It sprang up, and it yielded a crop of a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried, Who has ears to hear? Let them hear. Who has ears to hear? Let them hear. Who has ears to hear? Let him hear. And the disciples then asked him, saying, what does this parable mean? And then he said, now it's one thing to try to figure out what the word says, but it's another thing when the living word tells you what the word is. It's one thing to say, I'm trying to understand that word, pastor. I'm trying to grapple with that parable. That's one thing for us to try to grapple with it. But it's another thing when the living word tells you this is the meaning of the word. So Jesus broke it down. And he said to them, he said, uh, the, the disciples said, what does it mean? He said, to you it's been given to know the mysteries. See, if you're going to know the mysteries, it's no longer a mystery. It's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. But to the rest, it's given in parables, seeing that they may not see and hearing they may not understand. But it's given to you to know the mysteries. Verse 11, now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. This is a kingdom mystery. 
This is a kingdom revelation. The word of God is like seed. And the word of God is living and powerful. The word of God is active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. The word of God can even separate between soul and spirit. The word of God is powerful. God's word is watched over by God himself. God's word never returns void. God's word is like a seed that is imperishable and incorruptible. And when you get God's word on something, you get that seed and you get that in your heart. It will always bear fruit. Always. So in this whole aspect of much more, if you want much more, engage the word of God. Engage the word of God, not just the written word of God, but engage the voice of God. Engage the rhemas of God. It was like Peter when Peter was there and he said, at your word, I'm going to go cast my net. Unorthodox in the middle of the day to do this, to risk everything right now, to throw my nets in the water at an awkward time. I'm going to do it only because I heard the voice. I heard the word. I heard a rhema word that lifted me up and I'm going to do something that's a little bit crazy because your word empowered me. That's the same Peter that stood in the boat when he saw Jesus walking on the water. He said, Jesus, if that's you, it's really you. Tell me to come. Because he knew that the living word, he knew that Jesus, when he spoke, he knew that the words of God were powerful. And the words of God, he saw the word of God have authority even over the natural realm. Fish came into his nets in the middle of the day because it was the word of God. And he knew that, you know what? If he says walk on water, his word is more powerful than me even falling in the water. If he gives me a word, come out of the boat and walk on the water. I know that I can walk on the word of God. So when God speaks to you, that word is already empowered to prosper. That word has the power in it to bring into manifestation that for which he sent it. Can I get a hallelujah from this side? Can I get a glory to God from this side? Can I get a hallelujah from this side? Can I get a round of applause from the back corner? Hey. Come on, give it up for the back corner. (laughs) When I grow up, I want to be like them. Hey, it's the word of God. He said the word of God, the seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside were those who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts. Birds of the air. The birds of the air. It was a type of the devil. You see, when when the word of God hits a heart and that heart's not ready to or willing to, another uh, thing is the word understanding. And that word understanding is they literally resist it. They refuse to take it in. So a wayside heart is a heart that will not resist the word. It will not take it in. It says the devil will quickly take it away. Why would the devil take the word away? If the heart's already hard and won't take it in, why do you got to take it away? You got to take it away because that seed is powerful. I was driving down the 401 one day, and they had just recently paved it. They just recently recovered the whole thing. You could see the little cracks between, you know, the, the uh, you know, piles of concrete or asphalt. That, but you see the little cracks where the asphalt, you know, was joined. And then I'm driving along, and sure enough, I look, and there's a, a, a plant. There's something coming out. I mean, it had just been pressed down. It had been rolled over. It had, it had rollers and then hot concrete poured on it. And I wonder if the hot concrete, the heat of it, didn't cause one of those seeds to go pop because that seed then stretched forth it stretched forth for sun it stretched forth that seed was so powerful that even pressed down beat down by rollers and hot asphalt that seed still went i'm gonna reach the sun 
And the seeds went down through hard because the seed, even on the hardest of soil, the seed is powerful. And if you won't receive it and you reject it, if you're here today and you get a word that'll change your life, if you walk out and you're saying, so what? The devil's going to come grab it as fast as he can because he doesn't want that to get in your heart. So that was good right there, Pastor. All right, so the devil takes it away. This is Jesus. He's, it's not me interpreting Jesus saying, the devil takes away the word out of their hearts, lest it should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who hear and receive the word with joy. Whoa! Jesus, whoa! I was so good, yes! Whoa, yeah! They receive it with joy, and everybody should receive it with joy, amen? Got to receive it with joy. So they receive it with joy, and these have no root. Say, no root. They believe for a while, and then in a time of temptation, they fall away. Why? Woo! If you can't get past the woo to pressing that root down, though, you're going to lose it. You know, an emotional decision, they say, will last for 24 to 48 hours. Whoa, I'm serving Jesus. I'm serving Jesus. Whoa, next day. Whoa, I'm serving Jesus. I love Jesus. Next day, you're an idiot. What? See, another place says that they, they experience difficulty because of the word. How do you know that the word's going to bring conflict sometimes? You get the word in your heart, word in your life, you start speaking it, you start declaring it, you start, this is what the word says, you dummy, you idiot, you moron. And all of a sudden, oh, I'm not happy anymore. And because you got no root, you can't draw on those subterranean waters of God. It's gone. You know, and that happens a lot with just revelation you get. How many know we need revelation? We don't need more from God, we just need revelation of what he's already blessed us with. You know, as people get a little revelation, I believe God wants to do this in my life. No, I don't think so. Okay. And we back away from stuff. We back away from promises. We back away from things. But God wants you to have much more. You know, it even says in another passage, it says, even what they have will be taken from them when they don't pursue understanding. Those were the words of Jesus. All right, so here we go. So there's the wayside, then there's the rocky place, right? As it says, uh, then it says, uh, <laughs> all right, verse 14. Now the ones that fell among the thorns are those that when they had heard the word, they go out. They heard the word, they go out and are choked with cares, riches, the pleasures of life, and the bring no fruit to maturity. So those there's in the thorns, suddenly the issues of life choke them out. And you know, the cares, how many know sometimes you're still going to have issues? How many still had some issues? Some stuff, right? Riches, can you imagine? You know, there's people who, I've seen people come from a miserable situation, come to Jesus, start to grow, actually fruit starts to manifest, they actually start to walk in blessing, because we give them permission to actually prosper and be successful. Then I see people actually get a bit, bit of prosperity, a bit of success in their lives, and then all of a sudden they got cares. Then all of a sudden it's like, wow, I've got to sustain this. And then they start to think it's all about them instead of just the same factor of just trusting God. 
just trusting God. And then all of a sudden they're going, wow, I'm awesome. I mean, they're a total mess. Come to God. He puts things back together, starts to bless them. And then all of a sudden they get concerned about, how am I going to keep this going? Oh, my goodness, I got responsibilities. I got I got a mortgage now. I got a house. I got, oh, oh, oh. And then the cares of this world choke them down. But you know what? They didn't know how to handle I'm blessed. What are you shouting about? Because it happens. It's terrible stuff. You got to learn how to embrace that. You got to learn how to be a good steward of what God does for you. But some people, they, they turn into thinking, look what I did for myself. And then you got to sustain it. And that gets hard. And then the whole thing breaks down. Okay, that sunk deep into somebody's heart. You need to say, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to get back to my first love and get that straightened out. Amen. All right, verse 14. Now the ones that fell among the thorns, those who got choked out by cares, riches, pleasures of life. Pastor, I got a life, you know. I mean, wow, I got opportunities now. I got stuff. I got things. God's blessed me now. I got a real life. I'm not that helpless thing that first came to the church. I got stuff. I got things. I got opportunities. Okay, sorry. I, I don't know why I got back into that. You know, I don't know somebody needed to hear that again. Verse 15. But the ones that fell on good ground. Say good ground. Say good ground. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm good ground. That's me, I'm good ground. But it says the seed that fell on good ground, that good ground are those who, having heard the word, say heard the word. They got a noble and a good heart. They heard the word with a noble and a good heart. They keep it and they bear fruit with patience. They bear fruit with patience. We've rejected your visa. What? I got to drive strong at my fingerprints. Then I get there and their server is down. Said you could come back tomorrow. I came from London. I can't come back tomorrow. When's it going to get fixed? I don't know. Do you need me to go to Best Buy and get you a new router? What do you need? I'll get it done. I want it now. And I got Wayne Zimmer with me and Wayne's leaning there beside me. Going, hey, how are you? He's looking at the lady, and I'm like, I got my eyes, lightning beams. And Wayne leans over and says, hey, you're doing a great job. Like, what do you mean they're doing a great job? The server's down. She wants me to come back tomorrow. I've been rejected once already. I had plans for today, and now I'm here with you. How are you doing? You're doing a great job. Don't mind my pastor here. He's preaching on patience this week, and the Lord's, the Lord's working on him. I even called back to the office and said to the staff, who's praying for patience over there? Stop it! I did, I really did. I went, oh my God. They bear fruit with patience. I was believing for this. I've been believing for this for a long time. I'm not seeing nothing. <laughs> Your believer is really manifesting right now. That's awesome. <laughs> it's a great attitude for faith right there. How, how, you're all right? Okay. How many are okay that I confess my sins openly? You know what happens when I do that? You're supposed to forgive me, right? Say, you're forgiven, Pastor. Thank you very much. Amen. All right. John 15, verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, I take it away. I'll rip it out. It's actually brutal, most brutal translation. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, it says he lifts it up. 
Another place it said, you are healed, lift up your mat. He lifted up his mat. Other places, wherever that word's translated, is translated lift up, except for some dumb translators who said take away. See, you're not, if you're not bearing fruit, God is committed to you bearing fruit. If you're not bearing fruit, he's not going to say, I'm done with you. No, he says, you know what, you're in me. And if you're in me, you're going to bear fruit. And so if you fell in the mud, he's not going to cut you off. If you fell in the mud, he's going to pick you up. Going to lift you up. And he says, every branch that bears fruit, he's going to prune. Amen. Say, thank you, Lord, for pruning me. Amen. I was going to show you a picture of a, a plant that was before pruning and after pruning. You know what? When you're a professional pruner, you go deep. You know, they cut hard. I remember we had good old Percy, you know, Percy and Ruth. And when I first got here, we had these shrubs that ran right up the, the whole parking lot up at Grosvenor where the church was. And it was, you know, spring clean and we're doing some things, da 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 da. And Percy's out there with these shrubs and he's hacking away at these shrubs. And I'm like, Cheryl, I don't know what the guy's doing. I said, that thing's going to be dead. We're going to have to get chain links just to attach to the stumps because there's nothing there. He's hacking away like a bad person. And I'm like, oh, my God. Well, thank you very much, Percy, for taking care of the shrubs. He said, oh, you watch them, Pastor. They'll come back bigger and bolder. And I said, I doubt it. (laughs) I said, but thanks anyways. You know what? Sure enough, those things, they became fuller, bigger, better than they were the year before because Percy knew how to prune. You know what, sometimes if you're just there going, oh, 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 ah, oh, just know that the Almighty is a really good pruner. You know what, he is doing what he's doing, never to harm you, never to harm your destiny or future, but to remove things that will keep you from manifesting all he's called you to be. And you can trust him. Amen? Take a little more off the left. Yeah, good, good. Thank you very much. John... 15, 7 to 8, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, say words. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you by this. How, Lord, will you be glorified? How will you be glorified in my life? How will you be glorified in my life? By this will you be glorified in my life, that I bear much fruit. More fruit, fruit that remains. It says, this is so, and this is how you will be my disciples. So fruit, more fruit, much fruit, manifesting fruit is the demonstration. It's not the prerequisite of, but it is the response of a life that is firmly rooted and planted in God. It's not the prerequisite. Bear fruit or you're not a disciple, brother. You can't bear fruit. You know, but the word itself has the DNA of that fruit. The word itself has the DNA of that manifestation already in it. All you got to do is embrace it in your heart and drink. And then pop, 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 pop. Whatever that is that you sowed in your heart, it will come into manifestation for the glory of God. And you didn't do anything except abide and drink, abide and drink, remain and rest and trust and drink. He's given us one spirit to drink, drinking in the spirit of God, the water of the word of God. You're just drinking in, you're just nurturing the work of God in your life, and you're going to manifest incredible fruit. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. All right. 
But the ones that fell on the good ground, they are those who, having heard the word with a noble heart, keep it and bear fruit. The word of God is full of power to accomplish that for which it's sent. Luke chapter 1, 37, 38. For with God, nothing will be impossible. That's what the angel said to Mary. Mary said, wow, I mean, I'm a virgin. How are you going to pull that one off? And she didn't say, I doubt it or I don't think it can happen. She was just like, hey, how are you going to do it? pretty awesome. He said, I just came from the presence of God. I just came with a word from God. That, that nothing, that nothing is no rhema. Doesn't mean nothing. It says there's no rhema that comes from the presence of God that is without power to bring into manifestation that which he sent it for. So there's no word from God that is impossible. So trust me, if God wants to do it in you, he will do it in you and through you because God's word is self-manifesting. It's going to powerfully demonstrate what he sent it to do. All right. And she said, behold, I am the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be unto me according to your Word, your rhema, that word from heaven. I embrace that word. She said, I'm pressing, uh, take it in. Let it be. What does let it be mean? Amen. Amen. That's what amen is. Let it be. I agree. Let me have some of that amen. Couple of amens out there. That's good. All right. Amen. Amen. Ephesians 3, 17. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts. As you trust him, your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. So what do you got to do? You got to let your roots go down. You got to let those roots go down. You got to let them go down. So that even if there's a season where there's no rain, your roots tap into the subterranean flow of God. You tap into the deep, deep rivers of God's subterranean rivers. And you drink deeply those rivers. And when you do that, your roots will go down. And you'll get a revelation of God's love. And his love is going to keep you strong. Amen. Romans 10, 8 and 9 says, the word is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. The word is near you. It's in your mouth and it's in your heart. It doesn't come down and it doesn't come up. It's there. It's right here. The word of God is right here. It comes in your heart and it's in your mouth. It says with the heart you believe. So your heart is where what, what God was trying to do to Peter that day when he called him and he said, I want you to be a fisherman. He first of all did that miracle to change his heart. He wanted to change his capacity. I want you to stop living out of a narrowness of heart and I want to enlarge your capacity to expect the miraculous. And so he showed him a miracle of fish. And then he said, now give it all up and come with the one who says, let there be fish. And I want to change your whole capacity and understanding. So, Because your heart is your receiver. Your heart is where God speaks to you. Your heart is where you get those pictures and those revelations from God of what he wants to do in your life. It says, because with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now some people say, well, that's, that's how you get born again. It's not how you get born again. It's how you live. Every single thing you keep on believing, you keep on receiving revelation, you keep on trusting, you keep on embracing the, the written word, the spoken word, the, the impartation of spirit, the voice of God in your life. And when you keep on speaking and encountering him, that gets on your heart and then you activate it by speaking. It's with the mouth confession, homologio, what God spoke to me and what he showed me in my heart, my mouth agrees with it. And your mouth has to agree with the revelation that he poured on your heart because the word is activated on the return trip. The word that returns to me, it shall not return to me void, but it will accomplish that for which I sent it. So when you get the word on your heart, if you want to be fruitful and you want to manifest what that word was sent for, you got to get it on your mouth. I don't believe you. Well, you'll get what you just said then. Because for better or for worse, you'll get what you say. 
You are living in right now what you say. You are living in today. You have created a world with the power of your tongue. But God says, I want you to step into a realm of the supernatural where you can recreate my purposes in your life. You can hear things from me. You can get revelation from me. You can come in alignment with that with your mouth. And you can speak it into manifestation and I'll change your whole world. Hey, hey, any hard soil out there today? Is he still talking? All right, let's move on. Mark 4, 24. And he said to them, be careful what you are hearing. Now, so often the word says, fear not. Be anxious for nothing. And then all of a sudden he's like, be careful how you hear. Be careful what you are hearing. The measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you and more besides will be given to you who hear. See, some of you can hear my voice, but some of you are actually listening to my voice. Some people can hear this. But some are actually listening. Some are actually writing notes. Some have already downloaded the notes online and they're following along because they, they came early and they went to the website. They downloaded it and they're following along. And they're going, yes. You see, because for the word that I'm speaking right now to bear fruit in your life, it is totally dependent on the thought and study that you give. See, if you don't value that word, if you don't value the voice of God, if you don't listen attentively to the voice of God and, and strive after his word and covet his word, if it's just whatever, you got a wayside heart. You got a heart where the devil comes, he'll take the sermon from you in the parking lot. And I'll come back on small groups and say, hey, what I preach on this Sunday? Uh, so we're doing the sermon on the small groups? That's what we're talking about? We're talking about what you preached on again. What did you preach on? You mean stuff you preached on on Sunday I should be paying attention to? I know, I know you can hear all kinds of preachers on the internet, and that's awesome. But yeah, we as a community, God's speaking to this community too. And we're trying to track together. We're trying to do something. And you know, if we're going to move together as a body, we got to hear what God's saying to us. And I'm glad he's saying stuff to all kinds of people. But what's he saying to us? You know, I hear a lady down the road call out, come on home for dinner, kids. Somebody's having dinner. That's a beautiful voice. But then I'd hear mom's, my mom say, come on home for dinner. And there was something different about, I knew that that house I had access to and I could get fed and I could do something. And it's a place where I got responsibilities. It's a place where God speaks to me. It's a place where I can apply things and work things out in a culture of love. And it's really, really significant. And that's why we're doing that. Because we want to study that word. We want to we not just be hearers. It says, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers also. Can I get an amen? Can I get an oh me? Oh me, oh my. So let us read it again, just, just so we say it. The study that you give determines the measure of the virtue and knowledge that comes back to you. And more besides will be given to you who hear. So your quality of listening determines your quality of life. Not just to my sermons. It's not all about me. I listen to all kinds of things myself. I actually read the Bible when I'm not in church. <laughs> I listen to his voice when I'm driving down the road. But my quality of hearing and listening to the voice of God is determining the quality of my life. Yeah. 
Are you okay? Does anybody agree with that? All right, that's good. Praise God. We're doing well then. All right, I got 700 more verses. All right. Proverbs 4, 20 to 27. Just going to read a part of that, though. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Keep your heart with all diligence. That issues means boundaries, limits, borders, and extremities. It says that your heart condition establishes the boundary of your experience in your life. Wow. Guard your heart. Every issue of your life is determined by your heart. I thought it was somebody else's fault. I love the word says, the word says be stout-hearted. Stout-hearted. You got broken-hearted. You got hard-hearted. You got all kinds of messy hearts. You got the hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is the tree of life. You got all kinds of people with different heart conditions, and that heart is trying to receive the word of God and bear fruit. What should I be paying attention to, pastor? What? Tell me what? Your heart. Wow, pastor, it's okay. I'm trying to dig a deep hole on purpose. So just enjoy that. Mark eleven twenty three. 23. For assuredly, I say to you that whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Man, I'm telling you, when you got a heart that believes, you got a heart that's not double, it's not divided, but it's single focus. When you got that kind of heart, man, you can say to mountains, you can say, and mountains are obstacles, big things that are trying to stand between you and the purpose of God in your life. You can speak to them and you can introduce them to the vastness of God's love. Be introduced to the sea. But it starts with your heart. Can it get an amen? All right, Matthew 12, 34 to 35. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. When somebody is speaking, they are saying, let me show you my heart. I'm leaning over the counter going, do you want me to go to Best Buy and get your router? Can I fix the problem here today? Hey, you're doing a great job. Don't judge me. That's there, right? It says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know, the word of God's going to test the pastor, too. Oh, my goodness. Watch what you preach, pastor. You're going to get tested on it. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. For a good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. Out of that good heart brings good treasure. What do you think the treasure is? What do you think they've been packing in that heart? What do you think they've been sowing in this, into their heart? What do you think they've been embracing? What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? The word of God. The word of God, they've been sowing that treasure, that beautiful treasure. They've been sowing his word, his voice, him. They've been sowing that in their heart. So out of that good treasure, he brings forth good things, and an evil man brings evil treasure. A good tree cannot bring forth bad fruit. A bad tree cannot bring forth good fruit. Amen. How many are feeling just blessed right now? How many are feeling like, I better get on the treadmill to get my heart right? I better take a course on how to get a pure heart. Well, praise God for coming because I'm going to do it in one simple session. Can you do that? I can. Wow. Then we'll take up another offering. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. All right. All right. First Kings 3, 9. 
Here's Solomon. Solomon is now going to take over the kingdom from his father. And he's there seeking the Lord. And the Lord comes to him and says, ask me anything. Ask me anything you want right now to help you minister in this new adventure. You're anointed to lead my people. Ask me anything that you want to help you lead. And he said, therefore, here's what I ask. Give your servant an understanding heart. Now, another place says wisdom, but if you look at the root word, the root word is shamalab, that's heart. He says, give me a heart that hears, listens, and obeys you. Give me a heart that will honor you. If I'm going to lead these people, what I really need to lead these people is I need the capacity to be led by you. I need a heart that is big and large, a heart that hears your voice. If I'm going to lead these people, I can only do it by hearing your voice and a heart that is given to you. Please give me a heart like that because the only way I can do it is if my heart is aligned with you. The wisest man in the world asked for that. Innermost being, I desire that you be the source. I desire that you, that I have a hearing heart, that everything I do, Jesus said, I do nothing except what I hear from the Father. Give me a heart that has that kind of capacity. Amen. Say amen. Even if you're not sure, just say amen. First Kings 4.29, and God said to Solomon, or God gave Solomon wisdom and exceedingly great understanding. What precedes three? Two. What comes after three? Four. Thank you. Almost tricked myself there. <laughs> so reading in First Kings 3, Lord, give me that. Here we are in First Kings 4, and God gave Solomon. Say gave. God laid down a contract with Solomon and he said, okay, I will give you what you want if you do this and if you do that and if you jump through 32 hoops and if you finish the 42 courses and if you pray and fast 700 times a year and if he asked for it and God gave Solomon wisdom and exceeding great understanding and largeness of heart. How large was his heart? As large as the sands on the seashore. Oh my goodness. How did he get it? How did he get that heart? How did he get that largeness of heart? How did he get that? He asked for it and God gave it to him. Are you still here? Man, I got my notes stopped because they're running, jumping, shouting, praising God. Okay, not happening. Wayside church. Oh, <laughs> No condemnation, except when Pastor Carl's preaching. Oh, my God. Forgive me. Please. Proverbs 20, verse 9. Who can say, I have made my heart clean, I am pure of my sin? Who can say it? Who can? Who can say that I did it? Who can say, oh, man, I tell you, I spent the whole week, I just set apart a whole week to purify my heart. So awesome. Look what I did. There's a lot of that going on in the body of Christ. There's a lot of people, how do I get a pure heart, Pastor? And you know what? If I gave you 10 things to do, you'd go do it. Because we are so fleshly sometimes, and the flesh so desires to earn our relationship with God. But how much more will he not freely and graciously give us all other things? Does that include wisdom? Does that include a pure heart? Yes. But we got some charismatic Gnosticism out there that keeps on making people climb the mountain, earn your place in God, strive a little harder, and you can pop a little bit of power. 
We got people, all these nasty striving processes to manifest what can only be done through an understanding and a revelation of the goodness of God. The clappy corner agrees. All right, look at Psalm 51.10. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. How do you get a pure heart? Create it in me, O God. Create in me a pure heart. I can't do it. Who can say I did it? I mean, the holiness God demands is his own holiness. Can I do that? The purity that God demands in my life, in my heart, the holiness, the, the, the whole atmosphere that he wants to partner with is his atmosphere. God cannot unite himself with something broken down, shameful, and sinful. Can he unite himself with a prostitute? No. And what was I? I'd prostituted myself and done all my own things and gone after all I wanted. But then God had to do a miracle and he had to change my heart. He had to create in me a new heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. The message, I love the way the message says it. God, make a fresh start in me. I mean, I want to start over. Can you create something new? Create a fresh start. Start a Genesis week from the chaos of my life. Do something big. See, there was chaos. It was void. There was nothing. But the Spirit of the Lord was hovering over it. And then the Lord spoke, let there be light. And the power of God entered into that chaos. And he says, let there be light. Let it be light. Don't throw me in the trash heap. Breathe holiness in me. In me. In me. It's a miracle. A good heart is a miracle. A good heart doesn't come because of striving. A good heart comes because you receive from God the gracious gift of purity. If we could just get the church to a new level of purity, brothers and sisters. If we could just get the sin out of the camp, we could have God visit us again. But there's not purity in the house. Every one of you now, I see scrolls over your head, the sins you actually are involved in this week. The Lord has revealed to me the darkness of your hearts. And we are the hope of this nation. And if we do not purify ourselves, that's what you hear in a lot of churches. And you walk out feeling more condemned than when you came in. Have you heard the good news? If you need a pure heart, come to God. And it's a gift of God. You could never do it on your own. Can I get an amen? You're not mad at me, are you? You're not leaving on account of me. No, things going on. Okay, they were here last night too doing double duty. Hey! Hey, are you okay? How many are feeling me just a little bit? I pray you are. I pray you are. Because I told you, you're going to get a pure heart revelation today. Today. Ezekiel 36, prophesying. It says the prophets, they, they, they couldn't get their head around this new covenant, but they spoke about it. They spoke about a day. A day is coming. And they would prophesy about it. And they tried to see into it, but they couldn't. They couldn't, but you know, they spoke it, they prophesied it, they declared it. Ezekiel said this, he said, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit within you. I will take out the stone heart and the heart of flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. I'll take the stony heart out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and I will cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. So you can't do it if you don't have a pure heart. Well, how do I get a pure heart? It comes from God. It's the gift of God. It's the new creation. 
well, that's how I got saved, but then how do I continue? It's the same thing. That's where Paul said in Galatians, who bewitched you? Who's actually practiced witchcraft on you by making you think that the way you got in was just the way you get in, but the way you continue is through your own efforts? Who did that to you? And he called it witchcraft. How much witchcraft is sold on the internet? How much witchcraft is preached from pulpits? And we got the body of Christ unable to produce fruit and manifest because they're focused on their own belly button. You could be a better man. What's wrong with you? Don't you see how disappointing you are to God? Oh, you need to do better. He saved you, you wretch. Come on, at least throw him a bone. That's how a lot of people live. Hello? Those people aren't here today. I know. I know I'm talking to you folks who are all believers. And all get this. Amen. All right. Matthew 5, 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Let's have an eyes and ears conference. You ready? How do you see God? You get a pure heart. How do you get a pure heart? It's the gift of God. Let's take up an offering. That was a deep truth. How do you see God? Pure heart. You get a pure heart. Those with a pure heart, they see God. It's the gift of God. Eyes to see and ears to hear. They come from the Lord. It's a gift. It's not something you got to strive for. You can see. It's not because somebody got more special than you. You can see. All right, I'm not convinced. Acts 15, 8 and 9. So God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Purifying their hearts by faith. Purifying their hearts by faith. Hey, hey. Purifying their hearts by effort, striving, scripture reading. If you want to overcome that bad thing you're involved in, you got to do five more Holy Ghost push-ups and ten more of these. You know, you got to realize, you know what? I can't believe I'm behaving like that because I got a pure heart. I got a God who loves me. I got a good heart. And you get the good word on that good heart. And I tell you, you're going to manifest the power of God that causes you to constantly walk in overcoming. Constantly. All right, so back to, back to Luke chapter 8, 5 to 15. I'm not reading the whole thing, just this. But the one that fell on good ground are those who, having the word of God with a noble heart, keep it and bear fruit. So you got to listen to the voice, you got to hide it deep in your heart, and you got to keep drinking. It's real simple stuff, isn't it? What do you mean drinking? He's given us one spirit to drink, constant fellowship with the Holy Spirit, intimacy. What is that? That's where you stand before him and he into me see. That's what intimacy is. It's into me see. See, I'm intimate with my wife. See, people think, oh, sex, you mean? No, I'm not talking about sex. I'm talking about intimacy. It may include sex. And shh, it happens from time to time. Anyways, <laughs> but I'm talking about there's nobody who into me sees like my wife. There's nobody like her who knows everything about me and for some dumb reason still loves me. But you know, when you get into intimacy, you get into me see. And you're vulnerable for the Lord because you know you trust him and he's doing good things in your heart and in your life. Amen. That's the truth. So there it is. Listen to his voice. Hide it deep in your heart. Push it in and keep on drinking. All right. Patience. Patience. It says they bear fruit with patience. Patience is a capacity to put up with adversity without complaint. Do you need a new router? It's the capacity to put up with adversity without complaint, to the ability to wait or pers persevere without losing heart or becoming bored. Some of you need patience for this sermon. 
So, what are you laughing at back there? All right, okay. All right, so patience is not simply the ability to bear circumstances, it's the ability to turn them into greatness and glory. That's William Barclay. That's the God kind of patience. Hebrews 6, 11, a little cartoon, a little quick one. Here it is, right here. Poop. God grant me patience. Hurry up! <laughs> I, just, I just thought that was good. Amen. Anybody, all eyes closed, heads bowed, anybody relate to that? Just me? Oh, my goodness. Man, I, I needed this sermon. Okay, patience. Hebrews 6, 11, 12, 15. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, and that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience. How do you inherit the promise? Through faith and patience. I believe God for that. I haven't seen it yet. You know, sometimes when you get a seed, did you know sometimes you can actually, a woman, she can be pregnant and not even know she's pregnant for a while. It doesn't mean that you got to know it. It's there. And sometimes the seed that's going to bring into manifestation your breakthrough, it's already working. It's already on the way and you don't even know it, but it's happening in a hidden realm. You know, and then sometimes you see when a woman's pregnant, sometimes we don't see it for months later. But you know, where did that come from? That had been working for a long time. And sometimes people pull out the seed and you go, I sowed this a long time ago. Let me see it. Oh, it was working. Oh, my goodness. And when we get impatient, we, we abort these processes in our lives because we're like, I want it now. God's doing it. Is God doing it? God is doing it. Shush with the grumbling, for goodness sake. I need my visa for India. <sighs> checking the emails every day, checking the little number they gave me online, putting it in. Did they approve it yet? Pending, pending, pending. An hour later, check it again. Pending. Who is pending? Somebody call them. Some people are like that with healing, with breakthroughs in their life, with a financial miracle, something you've sown for. I got to get moving because the nursery is ready to erupt. So we got to go. All right. Patience does not mean passivity or resignation, but power. Joyce Meyer said, patience is not the ability to wait, but the ability to keep a good attitude while you're waiting. NASA, NASA. I was watching this on TV. I was on holiday in Florida, and the space shuttle Columbia was coming in, and they said, Columbia, your attitude is perfect. And I was like, how can a space shuttle have a perfect attitude? I was like, what's that all? But I didn't know that was a flying term, right? It was your attitude. And they had a perfect attitude. They were entering the atmosphere. And if they entered too hard, they'd burn up. If they entered too soft, they'd bounce off. But they said, your attitude for entry is perfect. And I went, oh, that's good. And see, we got to have that perfect attitude for entry into the things of God. And that includes patience. Patient endurance, I'm believing for that. Carol Dweck, Dr. Carol Dweck, she said, your attitude is a better predictor of your success than your IQ. You can have a fantastic IQ and impatience is quenching the flow of God's goodness in your life. Dr. Caroline Leaf, people pick up on our attitudes, the intent of our thought, not the detail of our thought. People can be talking and you're talking, they're saying one thing, but you're looking at them going, you got an attitude. Give me one more screen. This is Caroline Leaf as well. She said, what you are thinking every moment of the day becomes a physical reality in your brain and your body, which affects your optimal mental and physical health. These thoughts collectively form your attitude, which is your state of mind. And it's your attitude and not your DNA that determines much of the quality of your life. Say your attitude is showing. Your attitude is showing. Ephesians 3, 17. 
then Christ will make his home in your hearts. And as you trust in him, your roots will grow down in God's love and it will keep you strong. Come on, stand up with me. Your heart's a big deal, and you need a pure heart. You need a good, noble heart that keeps the word and with patience brings forth that manifestation of what God's word was in your heart. Now, folks, if you don't think you got a pure heart, then just get prayer right now today. You ready? Right now. Anybody want a pure heart? Anybody at all? In the name of Jesus, the pure heart is a gift from God. And God himself right now. When you came to him and you were born again, right there, you were a new creation. Everything passed away. Everything came new. But you know what? Right now, if you want to reaffirm right now and say, I have a pure heart. Because the pure heart comes by faith. And I, by faith, acknowledge right now that he has created a new heart in me. I have a heart that hears. I have a, a really good heart. Be like Solomon and say, I want a large, large heart. I want a heart that has incredible capacity for you. I want a heart that, that has room for every wonderful promise to be manifest. And then, Lord, it's through that faith and it's through patience that we take that seed all the way through the process. We plant ourselves where there's a lot of water. We plant ourselves in fellowship. We plant ourselves in the body of Christ. We plant ourselves in the house of God. We drink deeply of the streams of your delight for the river of God flows to the house of God. It flows to that place and there's a river of your goodness and your grace and I drink deeply from that river of your delights and I thank you that my roots can go down and even if I'm in a place of drought and there's drought on the outside, my roots, I got a tap root that goes all the way down and pulls from the subterranean river of your goodness. And so, Lord, I just thank you that I have a good heart. I got a pure heart. I got a noble heart. And I got a heart that can bring in a manifestation of your seed, that seed that you sow in my heart, that word that you put in my heart. It will bear fruit, more fruit, much fruit, and fruit that remains. So, Father, I thank you today for a pure heart. I just want to pray for you. I want to pray for somebody. Somebody here today, you wandered in and you don't know Jesus. You never had that miracle take place in your life. You're, you're in that place where I've never received him as my Savior. I've never embraced that, that new creation reality. I've never had a chance to say, take out the stony heart. Put a new heart in me. It's you. And you're saying today, I want to give Jesus my heart. I want that heart transplant. I want that pure heart that comes from him. And if that's you today and you've never accepted him as your Lord and your Savior, I'm going to count to three. Everybody's praying. It's all not about anybody else but you. And right now, I'm going to count to three. If you want prayer, if you want to say, I want you, Lord, as my Lord and my Savior, as I count to three, please put your hand up. Are you ready? One, two, three. Just put your hand up high enough so I can see it. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Put your hand up high enough so I can see it. High enough so I can see it. All right going to pray. Everybody's going to pray. You pray. You had your hand up. You lift up your voice and you pray. Are you ready? Are you ready? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you. I want a pure heart. And now I know it comes from you. And so I ask you to come and create in me a clean heart. Let your spirit come now and dwell in me. Thank you right now that I have been born again, born from above, born of God himself. I declare I'm forgiven, I'm healed, and I'm free. Thank you for being my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Can I have those that are praying, doing altar team, altar ministry today? Can you guys come on up and get ready to serve at the altar? And, uh, you know, so much happens. People getting healed, getting touched, ministered to and free. Words, hearing the voice. Sometimes hearing the voice of God is another person that you're praying with who actually has a prophetic word for you. Another person. The voice of God comes to you through that other person and they, they share with you a truth. And at the altar here, there's words for you. There's healing. There's breakthrough. There's agreement. And you can get ministered to, touched, and healed. So if you need ministry or prayer in any way, these folks are ready to pray for you and minister to you. Can I bless you right now? Can I? Can I? I got a command to bless. I have to do it. I bless you in Jesus' name. I bless you in Jesus' name. I command the rich blessing of God to be upon you. I pray his face would shine upon you. I pray the blessing of God would be evident in your life and that many would see the overflow of the goodness of God in your life. Many would be touched. Many would see the glory of God and many would come to a relationship with him. So I bless you with a deep, deep revelation of the Father's love. I bless you with the revelation that Jesus Christ, he is your joint heir. He is grace to you of reality and of absolute truth. He is grace grace to you, wave after wave of grace. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are that divine economic aspect of the Trinity, the Godhead that's with me every day to partner with me and manifest your kingdom. I send these folks out right now to take every aspect of their world to let the kingdom come in Jesus' precious name. Amen.